0: Okay, so we're, we're looking at, we've been looking at a series of choices um, that are part of God's plan for us on a path to soul peace. Um, and so today, uh, the choice that we're going to focus on is this, I choose to interview my emotions instead of reacting to them. I choose to interview my emotions instead of reacting to them. Now, we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 4, so if you want to grab your seat Bible or your phone or whatever, and we'll be looking at the first uh, seven verses. Now, this is the story of a man named Cain um, and his brother Abel. Now, what do you remember, what do you associate when you think of Cain. Hmm? Cain was a murderer. Cain was the world's first murderer. So we know from this story um, what he sort of remembered from, and that goes down in infamy, is that there was an interaction with his brother uh, that led to murder. Now, this was, Cain was the first natural-born human, uh, and his brother Abel. Uh, and we pick this text up in verse 2, Cain and Abel have grown into their vocations. So they're a little older. Um, they're, they're, both, they're both working. So Abel is a, is a shepherd. Cain's a farmer. Let's pick the narrative, narrative up here. So Abel was a keeper of sheep while Cain was a tiller of the soil. So in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord while Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but he had no regard for Cain and his offering. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Now, interesting, uh, there are some things about the backstory of this passage that we're not told. We're not exactly exactly told whether there were some instructions that God had given to Cain and Abel, and Abel carried them out, and Cain didn't. We're we're not told that. Um, What we are told from this text is that something that Cain offered, namely his gift of produce from his farm is rejected. Okay, so, so let's suspend our judgment for a second and just go with what the text tells us. Right now, what we know is that Cain is having an experience that I think most human beings do, that something that, that we bring forward from our efforts, from our work, um, from from. The thing that we have to give, and we br- we bring that forward with hopes of all kinds uh, for approval, for significance, to get it right, you know, to be to be secure in that. And he's having an experience where, in the external world, none of those things are landing in the way that he hoped. Would you agree with that? So. He brings it forward. He has this very difficult experience of it not landing well or in the way that he had hoped. Now, it's easy for all of us to want to gain from our efforts, our work, our vocations, and our relationships the deep things that all of us need as human beings. I just name them. Approval, significance, security. And so this rejection from the text deeply impacts Cain. Right? He, he feels this. He feels the weight of it. He feels the rejection. Um, and it leads to an emotional response and to some things going on with his whole mood, his countenance. He feels this in his body as well as in his emotions. And I believe that we can just observe from this that Cain, like many of us, makes a direct connection between the things that he does and the things that he offers and his identity, like who he is. So, kind of felt to him, probably, this is common to human experience, that if what we do, if our offerings aren't accepted, then that must mean that we aren't accepted. Okay? And that's, that's an impacting experience for any human being. And we see that his response to this disconnect or rejection is a response of anger. In fact, we remember him, actually, for... His murderous anger. But I want to ask this question. We have to put our thinking caps on for a second. Is there more to Cain and his experience here and his story than simply anger? So take a look at the text again there. And note that Cain was not only angry, but the text tells us something else, kind of a clue. He is angry and his countenance is fallen. So we sort of picture this, right? We can see this in our mind's eye. He's feeling more than just anger. He's also feeling other things. What else is going on inside of Cain? So let's take, let's take a minute. Think about it together. You think about it there at your seat. If you think of something, shout it out here. What else might Cain be feeling in addition to his anger? Okay, he's feeling dejection. So he's feeling disappointment. What's that? Say it again. Sad. He's feeling sad. Jealous. Maybe insecure. Say what? Say it again. I didn't hear it. Cheated. Yeah, he's feeling maybe betrayed confused, okay? Um, I don't know about you, but I might, f- it's kind of public, and my brother at least saw it, but it's kind of embarrassing, right? He might be feeling shame, okay? All kinds of stuff. Uh, we're not told explicitly what those emotions are, but we are told that, that when you looked at Cain, you could tell he had a lot going on inside of him. It wasn't just anger. He was dejected, his countenance had fallen. Now, here's what I want you just to make a little mental note because this is about our lives today. We often have to pay attention when we're angry or when we're depressed. We often have to pay attention with awareness to the fact that whenever those two things are present, there are other things present. There are other things going on inside of us and sometimes we are aware of it and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we have to pay attention actually to what's going on in our bodies, like the countenance falling, in order to get clues to identify those other things. Um, And I don't have time, that would be a whole other talk, but the body actually does keep the score to the things that are impacting us in our life. It's not just our emotions, it's also our body. Okay, now, God, now in verse 6, interestingly, comes to Cain. He has not received his offering. He also has seen his anger and his dejection. And God comes. Now you might imagine, if you were just writing the story, how God might show up to that. I'm not sure what you might expect from God when you feel angry or dejected. Um, It's interesting that God does not appear to be upset with Cain's anger or dejection. He doesn't come and say, Cain, you shouldn't be angry or dejected. He doesn't come and say, Cain, you're blowing this big and bad. You already blew it once. You know, now you're blowing it again. He actually comes to Cain in verse 6 with two questions. With two questions. Cain, why? Cain, why? Why? Are you so angry? And Cain, why do you look so dejected? Okay, so got your thinking cap on with me. Why did God ask why? (laughs) Why did God ask questions? Okay, think about it for a second. Based on some other things that we know and believe about God. Let's rule, let's rule one thing out. I don't think God was asking this question, these questions because God didn't know, okay? So what we could say is that God was not asking these questions for God, right? So if he wasn't asking the questions for God, who was he asking the questions for? For Cain. So God comes okay, in the middle of Cain's experience of anger, deep dejection, with questions. Questions that are designed to help not God, but to help Cain. Okay, so then we have to ask the question, well, what is God trying to help Cain with? God is using questions to help Cain do what? He's asking, why are you so angry? Why are you so jealous? He's helping Cain pay attention to what is going on inside of him that is beneath the anger, right? And is beneath the depression. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. You see, anger or depression are pretty intense experiences. Would you agree? When you feel... Really angry or resentful when you feel really sad or depressed. That's hard to ignore. Those are intense, intense experiences, right? In our in, in our human experience. The problem with them, the problem with anger, the problem with deep depression is that they are so intense that they can often mask or hide a lot of other things that are going on inside of us that are feeling them, that are underneath them. Right? And so God is encouraging Cain not to feel shame about his anger or dejection, not to dismiss his anger or dejection, not to avoid his anger or dejection. He's actually asking Cain to be curious about his anger or dejection. Now, keep in mind, this is God. This is God. Wanting Cain to be curious about these experiences. Now let me just put a pause in here for a second and ask you, is this your natural, automatic response to really intense negative emotions? When you experience them, do do they operate like a light on the dashboard of your car that give you valuable information Or do you see them as the problem itself? Okay? A lot of people I talk to, sometimes especially Christians, think, well, a Christian is someone who experiences love and joy and peace. A Christian is someone who is nice. And here I am, angry, depressed. Therefore, I must not be a what? Christian. So then when I when I go to God and I think, well, what is he, what's his posture towards that? I think, well, I better get my act together, right? This is really guilt-producing, this is really shameful, this is really awful. I can't talk to God about these kinds of things, let alone someone else, because that proves that I'm bad. Well, this is not God's, this is not God's approach at all. He he seems to be pretty curious. And he wants Cain to be curious. Okay? God, in fact, seems to want Cain to interact with him, to talk to him about his anger, his dejection, and all the things that are around that or underneath that. God wants him to develop awareness of what's going on underneath that so that he can talk to him, help him address the deeper things of his heart. And see, that's really, really different, isn't it? It's really, really different than sometimes the way we think about negative things like anger or depression. Now, interestingly, God says a th- couple more things. He says to Cain, hey, look, you're not cut off. Whatever it is that you're feeling all of this means about you and the possibilities of your future, you, you will be accepted. There is a path forward for you if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then, I, then, I, then watch out. Like, there's a warning. There's, there's a vulnerability. There's a, there's a destructiveness. You're, you're teetering in this reactivity in this vulnerable emotional place with a dynamic that can be very destructive, can be very destructive. God is warning Cain that it is very, very destructive to refuse to deal not with the emotions themselves, but with the reactivity, the response to the distress or the stress or the overwhelm. You see, I I think God is telling Cain that the problem actually isn't the problem. The problem isn't the angry, downcast feelings. It's his unwillingness to deal with those feelings, right, in the right way. There's a a way to do that that leads to peace, and there's a way to do that that actually unleashes incredible destructiveness Okay, in our lives. In fact, God expounds on this a little bit in, verse, in the second part of the verse 7. He says, sin is actually crouching at your door eager to control you. In other words, sin is wanting to attach itself. That's literally what the, what the words when you look them up in the lexicon. It's wanting to attach to that reactivity and through your response to it, disproportionate response, unaware response, staying on the surface rather than dropping under, trying to get your needs met, to self-protect, versus coming to me and identifying the, the hunger of your heart. This is the way that sin controls us. By attaching it to our super and supercharging Our fears, remember I told you earlier that all human beings have three fundamental needs for belonging, for significance, for security. Fundamental, those aren't wrong. We are made for something more than ourselves. We're made to get those met in the right way. Well, that's why then we could also say that the greatest fears of the human heart are when those three core needs are threatened, right? Sometimes our disappointing experiences are hard things flow out of the fact that we don't feel like significance or belonging or getting it right is actually possible for us. When we're in that place, it feels threatening, right? We feel like our well-being is threatened, and that's, that's a supercharged fear. That's a lot of reactivity that bubbles up. That's a lot of chaos. When we are afraid of being excluded or missing out, The natural tendency is to do what? It's like if I've been hurt, if I've been embarrassed, if I feel exposed, if I feel shame, if I'm if I'm afraid. Well I want to put a wall up, right? I don't want I don't want the world or people or circumstances to do me harm. Okay? And so in that supercharged place when we're not aware, when we're not stopping, when we're not asking why, it's easy to respond in, a t- in attack or withdrawal. See, attack is pretty easy to understand, right? Anger, it's a, it's a really negative emotion, but it feels pretty strong. Like there's a lot of energy. When I'm angry, I can shove you away, right? And... It feels kind of vindicating because it's like, "Raw, don't do this to me," right? But it also creates it creates emotional space where you can't reach me, right? I'm strong in my weakness. Well, withdrawal. Some of us do this. is actually kind of a form of passive aggression, right? Because basically, what we're doing is we're just removing ourselves with distance. So it's not a, it doesn't look aggressive on the outside, but it actually is aggressive, right? Because it's pulling us away from the possibility of being hurt. Now here's the thing. When we respond to our reactivity and our supercharged fears by skipping the process that God's trying to take Cain through, you know what happens? Yeah, others... Others often get hurt. Um, To say that this happened in Cain's case would be a bit of an understatement, right? Because it led to the murder of his brother. Everyone want to know how murder happens? This is kind of an archetype. But I wonder, short of murder, how many relationships we've murdered I know I have, um, in my supercharged reactivity that's unleashed. And it is a tragedy because Abel gets killed, Adam and Eve get heartbroken, Cain gets banished. So God says to Cain, Sin's crouching at your door, it wants to control you, it wants to attach. Uh, but you, you, you have to master it. You have to master it. Now, here's the question. Pretty key to peace. How do we master, how do we master out-of-control feelings and the cycle they unleash? How do we do that? I'll give you three things here. I think they're from the text and the larger wisdom. First, what if we were to become personally curious rather than condemning of our negative emotions? You know, rather than trying to do what Deborah described earlier and just avoid them or push them away or what if we saw them as guides, lights on the dashboard, incredibly valuable invitations to ask the question that God asked, Cain, hey, why? You know, I've heard that if you ask why four times at the, you know, of something, you sort of get to the bottom of it. So, if I say, well, why are you angry? Well, that really, that really hurt me. Well, why did that hurt you? Well, because it's really important to me to be valued, to be accepted by that person. Well, why? Well, because I'm a human being that has A deep core need for approval and acceptance. Oh, and we begin to talk to God about the why. See, it changes the experience and the trajectory of the emotion. You know, you can do that with any emotion. You can ask for why's. You can be curious rather than simply freaking out that you're an angry, depressed, weak, silly person who's not a good Christian and you can't possibly talk to God. That's not a good life. Right? That's, not a, that's, not, that's not the way that uh, life in the community of God works. It's not, it's not his intentions or his heart. It's not the way he thinks. Okay, so... With God, you can be curious, not condemning. Secondly, in your curiosity, and as you're mining, as you're looking under the hood, you can begin to name your emotions without judging them. You can just start by noticing. You know, Because awareness is the catalyst, it's such a catalyst for our growth. And here's the interesting thing. You know, just the fact of taking the chaos of like, oh, I'm just out of control with anger and beginning to name some of the needs that lie underneath them, it helps to sort them out in your mind. And even when you haven't figured out yet what to do, it helps you manage them. It helps you regulate them before the Lord um, rather than muting them or all the other things that we... That we talked about. So, name this is, by the way, the biblical concept for this would be honesty. Okay? Let's be honesty. Number three, we can begin to share the inner workings of our life and heart with God and with ourselves. And if you're really brave, with somebody else, who loves you. And here's the thing about hard things. You know, it's ultimately not the experience of the hard thing itself, even traumatic things, that causes negative things to become destructive. It's not the thing itself. It's when we feel alone. We feel unsupported that causes the deepest destruction. You know, people can get through a lot with someone else. We're not designed to deal with our deep needs alone, which is why love is the priority, right? Giving and receiving of it is the whole trajectory of the gospel that God is loving us in the world and reconnecting us to himself, not holding our trespasses against us. This is the good news of the gospel, and it lives not only in heaven, but it lives on earth as we practice interactive relationships about the things that lie under our negative experiences. Okay. So just closing. This is why I say the path to peace, choice number five, is I choose to interview my emotions instead of simply reacting to them. Would take a minute to pray with me? We're going to have a minute of Reflection, to just consolidate anything that you've learned this morning, any invitation that you're receiving from the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're like this, that you are a God who moves toward us with curiosity, with a path of peace, even in our hardest emotions and our hardest experiences. Thank you that we're not ultimately defined by our failures or by our feelings or by our performance but the deep things of the heart like approval and significance and security are available to us through love forgive us Lord for our reactivity some of us can honestly say we didn't know Thank you for this invitation to approach some of the things that are destroying our lives in a new way. Please continue to accompany and teach us and help us to lean more heavily into curiosity and honesty. And community to find the support uh, and the help that we need. Uh, I love this group of people and I ask that you bless them. Um, may they experience your peace in greater ways and may they learn more how to extend it lovingly to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.